All right, well, we've been in a series this, um, well, these last several weeks and uh, still this week and for a few more weeks to come. We're doing an eight-week series through one of the shorter books in the New Testament, the book of Philippians. So uh, it is a short book. We've said this many times. It's a short book, but a dense book. And so there is, there is so much to unpack in, this, in these, these short pages that we have here. And so let's, let's read the passage that we're going to be looking at. We're going to be in Philippians chapter 2, um, verses uh, 5 through 18. I, 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 we used to, this, I got this Bible in college, and I don't know if you can see from there. Like you can see like the dirty part from where you, know, you thumb through the pages. Um, but there is not a page in my Bible that is as dirty right here as the first page in Philippians. It, although Ephesians is close behind. Um, but this is, this is just a passage that we go to often. And this passage that we're going to look at this morning specifically, we go to this passage a lot. And there's good reason for it. Um, there is a, this is a passage that, that exalts the name of Jesus and gives us a, a, a picture of the, the man, the God-man, Jesus Christ. Um, unlike many others in Scripture, and I, we used to we used to joke in college, me and some of my buddies, that we we were like keeping a tally. We didn't actually keep a tally, or it would be right here on this page, of how many chapel services that we heard preached from Philippians chapter two. But it was it was notable. <clears throat> but let's let's look to God's word and read this morning, starting in verse five. It says, "Have this mind among yourselves." which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or questioning. That you, be, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain, nor labor in vain, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you should be also be glad. And rejoice with me. God always blesses the reading of his word. But as we unpack this this morning, first I want to do what we usually do with this passage and zoom in on Jesus. And then I want to, I want to take a few minutes and kind of zoom out and look at, um, in the, in the broader context of this book, why this focus on Jesus makes so much sense in this, in this spot. Um, I got it. It's the same book, but I got to look at it in this one because it's where I did most of my prep stuff. So where is that? I wrote it on a page. Um, so 
this focus here on Jesus, that, you know, it starts right here in verse 5. Have this mind among yourselves. If you, if you look back a couple of verses, you see the word mind a couple of times. In, in verse 2, complete my joy by being of the same mind and being in full accord and of one mind. There's, okay, which mind is that? Now he's going to tell us what mind that is. That Jesus, Jesus gave us this example who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Um, he uses the word form. If you, that's why I got these little notebook Bibles. You don't feel bad scrawling on them, but you know, circle the words and draw lines between them and you realize, oh, he's, he's making a point by saying the same thing a couple of different times. He, he was in the form of God, but he took the form of a servant and being found in human form. Uh, your translations might say likeness, but it's, it's the same idea. And, and that form, it's interesting, especially as, as Western thinkers, we think form and we think of a statue. We think of a shape. We think he looked like this. But the word is actually, it, it's, it's, English isn't quite as precise as, as Greek. Unless you want to go long-winded, then it can be. But, but form has more, it's more like essence. He is he is God. He is in the in the form of God. He is the essence of God. He is God. And he took on the form of a servant, the essence and being found. He is in, in human form. Another uh, is it in here is it, oh, it's in, a, in a different translation it will say and being in in the appearance, having the appearance of a man. And, and this is, it is so important that these, these two phrases are next to each other the way they are because he is God and he is man and he looks like man, but he is still God. Uh, for those of you that have watched the, the movie American Gospel, you've heard the part where, where this is addressed, but you know, the, the, some of the, some of the biggest churches you know, popular churches in America reject this idea. This what, what I'm teaching is is the Orthodox, and I, and I don't mean like stuffy Greek Orthodox church, but but the Orthodox, the, the 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 understanding that the church has had of God is or Jesus is 100% God and 100% man. That has been the traditional, you know, Orthodox held doctrine on who Jesus is, and. It's important that we acknowledge that some of the most popular churches in America reject that idea. Jesus came as it came and became a man as God and and demonstrated his authority over things like nature, death, disease, fill in the blank, uh, physics, (laughs) you know, Think, think of Scotty in, uh, in Star Wars. You cannot change the laws of physics, Captain. No, but Jesus can. And, and the reason he can is because he's God. Not because, as, as the, the, the pastor of, of the, uh, well, I'll just say it, Bethel Church, uh, wrote in his book, that Jesus came and performed his miracles and did all these things as a man in right relationship with God, not as God. That's, that's a big deal. That, that's Christological heresy that was established heresy like something like a thousand years ago. Like a real long time the church has known that's not right. In, in, in the false view, the idea is Jesus 
Jesus did this as he set aside the, 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 you know, the Greek, we refer to this where he, where he, um, emptied himself. In, in this, in this chapter, it talks about how he emptied himself. They would say, well, that, that means he, he basically divested his deity. He set aside his godness and became completely man. And that is, that's, that's not, that's not right. That's not the right understanding of this. He didn't set aside. This is a, this is, You've heard of addition by subtraction, you know. Maybe you've got a maybe you've got a group of of people, not a church. I would never say this about a church, but maybe you've got a you've got a a, a group of people, and one of them is just holding everybody back. You know, okay, just think hiking. Okay, you've got one that's really slow and holding everybody back. We're not pointing fingers um, to this morning, but. And, and, and if that person is not in the group, the, the whole group can move forward more efficiently, more quickly. It's addition by subtraction, right? It, Jesus, it was subtraction. Jesus, Jesus being, it's subtraction by addition. He added human to who he is. And that in and of itself was a, like a step down in the way. If that makes sense, that, that was where kind of the the emptying of himself he he took on human form and it's subtraction by addition. He's taken on a lesser thing. He's still God. Now he's also man. I don't know if that makes any sense or if I'm preaching heresy here, but I, I don't think so. Um, <clears throat> when it says he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, that's what that means. The false view would say that that Jesus did all these things as a man to show you to to show you and me that that if we're in right relationship with God, we can do these things, too, that this is the this is the pattern. See, if you're in right relationship with God, you can do all kinds of really cool miracles and get superpowers. False. He came and did those miracles to demonstrate I look like you, but I'm not like you. I am, I am, I have become one of you, but I'm not really one of you. I'm still God. I still, even though I look like you, I have authority. What did he say? All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. It was to demonstrate to the people standing around, you can trust what I say. When I say I am, it's because I am. And so the, the difference in those two views, I just I really want to make sure I, I think we all understand this, but it's important to especially when when something this dramatic about who Jesus is, is kind of proliferating and getting its fingers out into our culture and into our young people that we understand this is crucial because a Jesus, if you're reading the pages of the Gospels and that Jesus isn't God. That Jesus can't save you. A false Jesus can't save. And it's so important that we get the gospel right. And so you can see that a wrong understanding of this passage has huge implications on the gospel. And we want to make sure that we get that right. So he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Uh, I want to read a quote here from Charles Spurgeon because that makes every sermon better. 
says, Paul wishes to unite the saints in Philippi in the holy bands of love. And to do this, he takes them to the cross. The apostle knew that to create unity and harmony, you first have to have humility of mind. People do not quarrel when their ambitions have come to an end. When everyone is willing to be least, when everyone desires to place others higher than themselves, there is an end to contentious cliques. Factions and divisions pass away. Now, in order to create lowliness of mind, Paul, under the teaching of the Holy Spirit of God, spoke about the lowliness of Christ. He would have us become low. And so he takes us to see our master becoming low. He leads us to those steep stairs down which the Lord of glory took his lowly way. And Paul bids us stop while he points us to the lowly Christ. Uh, I love that imagery of steep stairs. Everyone always used to comment that the, the stairs into my parents' basement, which is where my room was, were incredibly steep. I didn't notice because I lived there, but, and I took them three or four at a time. But, but steep stairs, the, the, the journey from, from God to man is, that's a very steep way down. And the, the idea that Paul's challenge for us to be humble is not just a simple, hey, esteem others more highly than yourselves. You know, th- think better of other people. Put others first, you know, this kind of thing. He said, well, let's, let's look at Jesus. Fully deserving of all the glory of heaven and all the worship of creation, stepped down into human form. And if that weren't humble enough, became obedient to the point of death. Oh, but not just that. The, the death reserved for the vilest of criminals. The, the almighty sovereign of creation crucified on a tree that he made by people that he made. And that picture, all of a sudden, we look at our horizontal relationships with other people and, and we see them in a whole different light. I, before I get to the, the unity portion, which is really, I, I feel that kind of the the real meat of this of this message. I want to look at this mind of Christ. Have this mind in you, which is yours in Christ Jesus. The, the mind is, I, I wrote down three things. To serve, to obey, and worship. And he talks this here, being found in the, in the, in, in the form, by taking the form of a servant. Uh, he, he talks about how he became obedient. And then, um, and then how he goes on. You know, our response ought to be worship, to know Jesus. Um, when we when we have a mind to serve, we lose the idea that some jobs are beneath us. I, I cannot express enough thanks. On Thursday, I was just stressed out because we had this, you know, this, this big thing coming up, you know, t- tonight. Even though I don't actually have to do anything for it, it's just knowing that there's a big thing going on. I just, I, I couldn't separate, and I just, I told Carol, I was like, I just, I need to go to church. I need to physically do something. So I came and vacuumed and set up some chairs a little bit. Although whoever fixed them, they look way better than what I have. But I just I just had to do something. And 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 but, but my ability I feel like I get stressed out. Kara says I get stress paralyzed. And and everyone else is working around me. I oh man, I think of like when Caleb and Kayla came down and gave us some aggressive hospitality, as I like to call it. And and like. God art like basically moved us up into our new house and helped like paint a bunch of rooms. They were here for like 
30 hours in Florida, and they packed up minivans, moved most of our stuff up there, got like half the house painted. It was unbelievable. Uh, Katrina came, Katrina and Joel came over and helped, Luke and Jenny. I think they helped a little bit, uh, a lot. Um, and, 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 and it's like, it's like I, sometimes I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm above my body, just kind of, uh, yeah, I think I'm doing work, but actually everyone's just working circles around me, and that's how I felt this week. Um, everybody, I know Scott was down here, and, and everybody else was, has pitched in to really, you know, get the get the building ready and all that. I, I just I can't even appreciate I can't even express my appreciation enough because it's too much. It's too much for one person, and it, it was it should never be. But but when we take the, the 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 mindset of servanthood, we lose the idea that some jobs are beneath me. Well, I'm I'm the pastor, and I you know, I, I preach, so everybody else do every no. I, if a floor needs swept, that's not beneath me to do. Now, that's not always the best use of my time, and that's, I'm real bad at that, so uh, y'all can help me um, sometimes with that, and you all do a great job at that. But, but, you know, that, but that's a different thing. But, but, but to not have the mindset that some jobs are beneath you to do, um, that's, that's so important in having the mind of a servant. Um, <clears throat> To obey. Now, this is really simple. It's uh, just do what God says. <laughs> Being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient. Because anyone that's in human form ought not even think twice about being obedient to the words of God. The will of God ought to reign supreme in our lives over our own will, over our, our desires, our will for our lives ought to be constantly coming in better and better under submission to, to God's will. It's, you know, we, we, we overcomplicate the Christian life so, so often, and really it's just, just, just do what God says. Now, how are you going to know what God says? You, like, meditate and... You know, think really, listen to Joel Osteen and just, just let God speak to you. Well, I guess you could do that, and that should be really entertaining for those around you, but he already gave you a whole bunch of stuff. And in fact, there's even some passages that start like this. For this is the will of God for your life. Whatever follows that line, God's telling you to do or not do that. And the idea that... We as people, we as the created ought to be in submission to our creator is not rocket science, but it's hard. Because we do have our own will. We do have this idea that that we want what we want and we want it right now. And sometimes we want what we want and we're willing to sin to get it. What did James say? What causes fights and quarrels among you? There's a war inside of us between the flesh and our spirit. Uh, see Galatians chapter 5. And, and sometimes we have to just zoom out of all of that and say, what, what, what is something God told me to do or not do that I'm currently not listening to? Do what God says. Uh, to worship. Uh, you, you, you really can't worship a Jesus that you don't know. The first act of worship begins in God's word. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And it's so so important that we know God. In fact, and this is one of the things, I know that, that in, in time as, as we grow, our, our, 
our our musical styles will change some, but uh, we're we're not going to abandon the you know the old hymns completely. There's just so much richness in them. And uh, I was I was sharing with Kara last week. I hope I didn't share this in my no, I didn't preach last week, so I didn't, or I would have. Sometimes I'm you know I was here, I was here putting the putting the last coat of paint on out there, and, and just Kara was out picking up the kids from um, another church's Wednesday night thing, and I just had this line from a hymn. Going through my, going through my mind. It's, the, it's one of the verses in uh, "Praise to the Lord, the Almighty." It's, it says, "Praise to the Lord, who doth prosper thy work and defend thee. Surely His goodness and mercy here daily attend thee. Ponder anew." And this was the line that was stuck in my head. Ponder anew what the Almighty can do if, with His love, He befriend thee. What powerful truth. You ever had a rich friend? And think about what it meant to have that guy as a friend. You know, the things you got to do, you know, they had a boat and you didn't. You got to go, you know, go out on their boat. You got to, you know, whatever. I mean, there's just, there are, let's be honest, there's fringe benefits to having a rich friend. I mean, that's filthy rags compared to being called a friend of God. Ponder a new think. Look at it through a whole new lens. What it means to be a friend of God, have a relationship with the Almighty, and where does that start? How can we start to ponder that anew by going to His Word, by knowing who this God is that has stooped so low as to save a sinner like me? That is that is the wellspring of our worship, is in the in the knowledge of God. It is possible. Romans talks about, you know, uh, general. We call it in theological world. We call it general revelation. That's the things about God that can be plainly seen just by opening your eyes and looking around and realizing that um, that little thing growing inside of a pregnant woman is in fact a baby human life that didn't exist before and now certainly does. To to, to look in this up in the, in the stars and think, oh, that's so cool that we're going to that little reddish dot there, and we got remote control cars on that. But wow, like we're all we're we're thinking, man, we're so cool, we can get remote control cars on that dot. You realize how many other dots there are out there, and it's just wow, like God made that, and look out in in creation and watch the seasons and watch, you know, there's so many different things that can be known about God, but that really. That is, while that is amazing and compelling and incredible, that is, that is not so deep a well as God's Word. And when we start to, we call it special revelation, God's specifically telling us not just that He exists, but who He is and what He says about you and me and, um, and what, it, what it means to be saved by Him. That is the, that is the real wellspring of worship, and the, 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 it is so important to be digging into God's word and to know God more, to know Him and be known. To be known by God is is a is a paradox in and of itself. That God knows the depths of our sin, and yet loves us because He made us. It's it's an incredible paradox. There's a song I believe we're going to be singing it tonight called My Worth is Not in What I Own. And there's a line in there that says, two wonders here that I confess, my worth and my unworthiness. What an incredible thing that God has placed this very high value 
on our souls. A very high value on saving us, even though we are so completely undeserving of it. What an incredible thing. And, and, and song, song has always been a powerful tool to worship God. That's why we have an, at least one entire book of it in Scripture. We don't know the tunes to them all anymore, but um, that's why it, it's so important. But we worship God. And so, so taking on this humble mind of Christ where we take on the form of, you know, we, we serve, we obey, we worship. Now let's zoom out a little bit because there, there's a couple of therefores and so that's in this passage. And that helps us fit this section where, you know, we, we, we kind of like to say that in Paul's writing, sometimes he, he almost distracts himself or the spirit of God just comes over him and he, and he just kind of, you know, he'll, 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 just pour out some exaltation of Christ. And this is a great example of that. It's almost, almost, almost like he gets carried away um, that, and, you know, here at the end. So that in the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. And it's like this little sermonette in here. But, but, but let's zoom back out, because while this is a powerful passage, it's even more powerful when we realize the context of it. Because he says right after that, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not, not only is it in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. This passage can sound like he's saying work for your own salvation, but he's not saying that. We know that's not what he's saying. That wouldn't, that, that would put this scripture in, this verse in conflict with the rest of scripture and that can't be. What does it mean? The, the word that's translated work out is, is the, it, it, it carries with it the picture of kneading bread, kneading dough for bread, kind of working it. And, and all of that. When you when you take a little bit of yeast and put it in a lump of dough, um, a lot of people I know took up baking over the uh, uh, the quarantine time because that was a lot of fun. You could do that at home and learn a new skill, I guess. I thought I was going to do that. That was before the quarantine. One day, it was just one day. Um, <clears throat> I found out that uh, um, to make ciabatta bread, the dough needs to like kind of sit and do its thing for multiple days. I had lost interest by that time. <clears throat> but I want it now. <laughs> but when you're kneading bread and you, you put you put a little bit of yeast in the bread, in the in the dough, you put yeast in there, and is the yeast in there? When you put it in? Yes, it's in there. If you put it in, it's in there. Sorry, it's a stupid question. Um, but but it, it because it's so simple. Once the yeast is in there, it is in fact in there. But what do you, what do you need to do? You need to work it out. You need to get it into all the parts of the dough and then let it sit. And that's the idea. You're, you're working out what God has already worked in you. There, there's no moment in the believer's life where, where one is partially saved. Jesus, once for all payment for our sins on the cross, was a, was a, was a one-time, it-is-done thing. That's why he said it is finished. Um, but the idea of working it out. So, so it's, it's th- think of it as applying the, the idea that, OK, I, I'm 
I have believed that I'm a sinner and incapable of saving myself or getting to God in any sort of way. And so I've accepted Jesus payment for my sin and and received this new standing with God. What does that mean in the area of my work life? What does that mean in the area of my my finances? What does that mean in raising children? What does that mean? And and so we're, we're taking we're looking at all the areas of our life through a new lens now. We're working out our own salvation with fear and trembling because it's God who works in you. Both to will and to work for His good pleasure. The will and to work is not something God's doing. That's what we're doing. The, the will is our desires. The work is our actions. We are bringing our desires and our actions into uh, kind of under subjection to God's will for, for God's pleasure, you know, for his glory, by his grace. I need to I need to land the unity plane now. And, and so so let's zoom out a little bit even more. So he says he's giving you a therefore right there. Uh, so since you're saved, work out. Get, get that applied into your language and into your, you know, what, what are all these different areas of your life. Zoom out some more. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. I'm going to skip an entire verse because grammatically this works. Do all things without grumbling or disputing so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain nor labor in vain. Your testimony is so important, not only because you live in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Uh, Look at this. We do live in the midst of them. We're not called to just go and be this little insular community insulated from the world. We're called to live out the, the reality that we live in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. Because we shine among them as lights in the world. How else can they know? How can they believe a message they haven't heard? And how can they hear it if someone doesn't preach it? This whole thing that, that Paul has been talking about of unity, he, he has not moved on to another subject here. He's still talking about this, this series we've, we've called the series Journey Together. And one of our core values is that we, we journey together. We believe that spiritual growth happens best in community and God brings us into his family so that no one has to face anything alone. One of our core values that is purposely stated before that, in fact, it's the first one, is that we put Jesus first. He alone has saved us. And so he is is first and foremost. And that's this is exactly what Paul is saying here. First, look at Jesus as your example. And then as we journey together. Long term journeying together is only possible when we put Jesus first. You see, he, he gave them this challenge about about living in unity, uh, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also the interests of others. And then he talks about Jesus as a way to explain the only way this is going to work. The only way that this this harmony is going to work. Guess what? Everybody in this room didn't vote the same. Everybody in this room doesn't think doesn't like the same music. Everybody in this room doesn't like we we have diverse backgrounds, diverse interests, diverse. You name it. 
So why can the church function in unity in ways that the world can't? Because we have Jesus as our example. And we have the Holy Spirit in us enabling us supernaturally to look past the things that don't matter as much and look at the things that do matter the most. You know what? We may not agree on everything, but we agree that Jesus is really great. And we believe that what the Bible says about him is true. And boy, when you start there, we can get along on all kinds of other things. He talks about this being being full accord and of one mind. Here's the mind. If you can do this, you will shine as lights in the world. And I, Paul speaking, will be proud to have had anything to do with it. In fact, he says here, even if I'm to be poured out as a drink offering, the idea of a drink offering was like you had a sacrifice. The sacrifice cost you something. This was an animal that was going to be burned up. You weren't going to get to eat any of it. You weren't going to get offspring or produce in any way from this animal anymore. You have sacrificed it to God. And the drink offering was because, you know what, sometimes this thing that that cost me something, it's, it's just not enough. And they'd pour a glass of wine on the offering and it would just be vaporized. And it would rise up rise up to heaven and, and symbolize that, you know, the, the, the smell of this offering is going up, going up to God. And, and it just symbolized that, that, you know, as if that weren't, I, I don't have enough that I can give to God. The drink offering was uh, icing on the cake, if you will. It was, it was in, in many ways an unnecessary part, but it was just to symbolize it, this is, and, and, here, and here's some extra. And Paul is saying, we look at Paul's life and we think, oh man, this guy did so much for God and all this, and it's true. But, but that's not how Paul viewed it. Paul viewed it as they were the ones really doing it. They were the ones, um, you know, through God's empowering, you know, sharing the gospel and, and, and you know, I don't want to say growing this church because that wasn't the point, but it was about growing the kingdom. They were really doing the work. They were boots on the ground. They were there. They actually had to still live there. They couldn't leave town like Paul did. They were there in the trenches, and in Paul's mind, that was the real sacrifice. My life, God can use it however he wants, and, and it, my, my life is just icing on the cake of your service. In that, Paul is also an example of that humility. What did Paul think was beneath him to do? Nothing. Anything that, anything that God called him to do, he was going to drop everything and get there to do it. Long term, journeying together is only possible when we put Jesus first. This this passage is, is so powerful in so many ways, and I think when we see it in the context of this broader um, this broader passage about unity and journeying together as the body of Christ and realizing that the kingdom is bigger than these four walls, praise God. It, it's it's so important for us to work that out. And so, so I, w- I want to leave you with that, kind of end it, end it on that note that, that this, this is the example. Are we ever going to be perfectly like Christ? Not this side of eternity. And let's be honest, I mean, as, as far as, you know, we're not ever going to be God. So even on the other side of eternity, we're not going to quite be just like Christ. And you know what? I'm okay with that. I'm glad that, that my Jesus, the Jesus of the Bible, is not like me. 
was not showing me something that I could do. He was showing me something that only he could do. And that makes all the difference in working out our salvation because it is only because of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so humbled by the words of Scripture this morning. We're humbled by the example of Jesus' humility. God, we get so proud in our in our sinfulness. And we think that we're better than this or that, but the reality is, if we were to see ourselves rightly and to see our sin the way you see it, we wouldn't feel like anything was beneath us. We would feel so humbled and so thankful to be saved by you, realizing that our unworthiness far outweighs anything that we can bring to the table. God, thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you for making salvation possible through his blood. Thank you that our pardon is sure and we don't have to wonder if we're all the way saved. We can rest in the fact that our pardon is sure and we can just work out our salvation. We can work out what you have already worked in us. Praise the Lord. Thank you again for all that you are doing here. Thank you for the privilege to be part of it. In Jesus' name, amen.